0: Chapter One, Joseph, Part Nine of the Legends of the Jews, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Legends of the Jews, Volume Two by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg. Pharaoh's dreams. Properly speaking, Joseph should have gone out free from his dungeon on the same day as the butler. He had been there ten years by that time and had made amends for the slander he had uttered against his ten brethren. However, he remained in prison two years longer. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord. But Joseph had put his confidence in flesh and blood. He had prayed the chief butler to have him in remembrance when it should be well with him, and to make mention of him unto Pharaoh, and the butler forgot his promise, and therefore Joseph had to stay in prison two years more than the years originally allotted to him there. The butler had not forgotten him intentionally, but it was ordained of God that his memory should fail him. When he would say to himself, If thus and so happens, I will remember the case of Joseph, the conditions he had imagined were sure to be reversed, or if he made a knot as a reminder, an angel came and undid the knot, and Joseph did not enter his mind. But the Lord setteth an end to darkness, and Joseph's liberation was not delayed by a single moment beyond the time decreed for it. God said, "'Thou, O butler, thou didst forget Joseph, but I did not,' and he caused Pharaoh to dream a dream that was the occasion for Joseph's release. In his dream Pharaoh saw seven kine, well-favoured and fat-fleshed, come up out of the Nile, and they all together grazed peaceably on the bank of the river. In years when the harvest is abundant, friendship reigns among men, and love and brotherly harmony, and these seven fat kine stood for seven such prosperous years.' After the fat kine, seven more came up out of the river, ill-favoured and lean-fleshed, and each had her back turned to the others, for when distress prevails one man turns away from the other. For a brief space Pharaoh awoke, and when he went to sleep again he dreamed a second dream, about seven rank and good ears of corn, and seven ears that were thin and blasted with the east wind, the withered ears swallowing the full ears. He awoke at once, and it was morning, and dreams dreamed in the morning are the ones that come true." This was not the first time Pharaoh had had these dreams. They had visited him every night during a period of two years, and he had forgotten them invariably in the morning. This was the first time he remembered them, for the day had arrived for Joseph to come forth from his prison-house. Pharaoh's heart beat violently when he called his dreams to mind on awaking. Especially the second one, about the ears of corn, disquieted him. He reflected that whatever has a mouth can eat, and therefore the dream of the seven lean kind that ate up the seven fat kind did not appear strange to him. But the ears of corn that swallowed up other ears of corn troubled his spirit. He therefore called for all the wise men of his land, and they endeavoured in vain to find a satisfactory interpretation. They explained that the seven fat kind meant seven daughters to be born under Pharaoh, and the seven lean kind that he would bury seven daughters. The rank ears of corn meant that Pharaoh would conquer seven countries, and the blasted ears that seven provinces would rebel against him. About the ears of corn they did not all agree. Some thought that the good ears stood for seven cities to be built by Pharaoh, and the seven withered ears indicated that these same cities would be destroyed at the end of his reign. Sagacious as he was, Pharaoh knew that none of these explanations hit the nail on the head, He issued a decree summoning all interpreters of dreams to appear before him on pain of death, and he held out great rewards and distinctions to the one who should succeed in finding the true meaning of his dreams. In obedience to his summons all the wise men appeared, the magicians and the sacred scribes that were in Mizram, the city of Egypt, as well as those from Goshen, Rameses, Zoan, and the whole country of Egypt, and with them came the princes, officers, and servants of the king from all the cities of the land." To all these the king narrated his dreams, but none could interpret them to his satisfaction. Some said that the seven fat kine were the seven legitimate kings that would rule over Egypt, and the seven lean kine betokened seven princes that would rise up against these seven kings and exterminate them. The seven good ears of corn were the seven superior princes of Egypt that would engage in a war for their overlord, and would be defeated by as many insignificant princes who were betokened by the seven blasted ears." Another interpretation was that the seven fat kine were the seven fortified cities of Egypt, at some future time to fall into the hands of seven Canaanitish nations, who were foreshadowed in the seven lean kind. According to this interpretation, the second dream supplemented the first. It meant that the descendants of Pharaoh would regain sovereign authority over Egypt at a subsequent period, and would subdue the seven Canaanitish nations as well. There was a third interpretation, given by some, The seven fat kine are seven women whom Pharaoh would take to wife, but they would die during his lifetime, their loss being indicated by the seven lean kine. Furthermore, Pharaoh would have fourteen sons, and the seven strong ones would be conquered by the seven weaklings, as the blasted ears of corn in his dream had swallowed up the rank ears of corn. And a fourth. Thou wilt have seven sons, O Pharaoh. These are the seven fat kine. These sons of thine will be killed by the seven powerful rebellious princes— but then seven minor princes will come, and they will kill the seven rebels, avenge thy descendants, and restore the dominion to thy family. The king was as little pleased with these interpretations as with the others, which he had heard before, and in his wrath he ordered the wise men, the magicians, and the scribes of Egypt to be killed, and the hangmen made ready to execute the royal decree. However, mirad Pharaoh's chief butler, took fright, and seeing that the king was so vexed at his failure to secure an interpretation of his dreams that he was on the point of giving up the ghost, he was alarmed about the king's death, for it was doubtful whether the successor to the throne would retain him in office. He resolved to do all in his power to keep Pharaoh alive. Therefore he stepped before him, and spake, saying, I do remember two faults of mine this day. I showed myself ungrateful to Joseph, in that I did not bring in his request before thee, and also I saw thee in distress by reason of thy dream, without letting thee know that Joseph can interpret dreams. When it pleased the Lord God to make Pharaoh wroth with his servants, the king put me in ward in the house of the captain of the guard, me and the chief baker. And with us there was a simple young man, one of the despised race of the Hebrews, slave to the captain of the guard, and he interpreted our dreams to us, and it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was." Therefore, O king, stay the hand of the hangman, do not let them execute the Egyptians. The slave I speak of is still in the dungeon, and if the king will consent to summon him hither, he will surely interpret thy dreams. THE LEGENDS OF THE JEWS, VOLUME 2 BY RABBI LEWIS GINSBURG JOSEPH BEFORE Pharaoh. ACCURSED ARE THE WICKED THAT NEVER DO A HOLY GOOD DEED. The chief butler described Joseph contemptuously as a slave, in order that it might be impossible for him to occupy a distinguished place at court, for it was a law upon the statute-books of Egypt that a slave could never sit upon the throne as king, nor even put his foot in the stirrup of a horse. Pharaoh revoked the edict of death that he had issued against the wise men of Egypt, and he sent and called Joseph. He impressed care upon his messengers. They were not to excite and confuse Joseph, and render him unfit to interpret the king's dream correctly they brought him hastily out of the dungeon but first joseph out of respect for the king shaved himself and put on fresh raiment which an angel brought him from paradise and then he came in unto pharaoh the king was sitting upon the royal throne arrayed in princely garments clad with a golden ephod upon his breast and the fine gold of the ephod sparkled and the carbuncle the ruby and the emerald flamed like a torch and all the precious stones set upon the king's head flashed like a blazing fire and Joseph was greatly amazed at the appearance of the king. The throne upon which he sat was covered with gold and silver, with onyx stones, and it had seventy steps. If a prince or other distinguished person came to have an audience with the king, it was the custom for him to advance and mount to the thirty-first step of the throne, and the king would descend thirty-six steps and speak to him. But if one of the people came to have a speech with the king, he ascended only to the third step, and the king would come down four steps from his seat, and address him thence. It was also the custom that one who knew all the seventy languages ascended the seventy steps of the throne to the top, but if a man knew only some of the seventy languages, he was permitted to ascend as many steps as he knew languages, whether they were many or few. And another custom of the Egyptians was that none could reign over them unless he was master of all the seventy languages. When Joseph came before the king, he bowed down to the ground, and he ascended to the third step while the king sat upon the fourth from the top, and spake with Joseph, saying, O young man, my servant beareth witness concerning thee, that thou art the best and most discerning person I can consult with. I pray thee, vouchsafe unto me the same favours which thou didst bestow on this servant of mine, and tell me what events they are which the visions of my dreams foreshadow. I desire thee to suppress not out of fear, nor shalt thou flatter me with lying words, or with words that please me. Tell me the truth, though it be sad and alarming. Joseph asked the king first, whence he knew that the interpretation given by the wise men of his country was not true, and Pharaoh replied, I saw the dream and its interpretation together, and therefore they cannot make a fool of me. In his modesty, Joseph denied that he was an adept at interpreting dreams. He said, It is not in me, it is in the hand of God, and if it be the wish of God, he will permit me to announce tidings of peace to Pharaoh and for such modesty he was rewarded by sovereignty over Egypt, for the Lord doth honour them that honour him. Thus was also Daniel rewarded for his speech to Nebuchadnezzar. There is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets, but as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but to the intent that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that thou mayest know the thoughts of thy heart. Then Pharaoh began to tell his dream, only he omitted some points and narrated others inaccurately, in order that he might test the vaunted powers of Joseph. But the youth corrected him, and pieced the dreams together exactly as they had visited Pharaoh in the night, and the king was greatly amazed. Joseph was able to accomplish this feat, because he had dreamed the same dream as Pharaoh, at the same time as he. Thereupon Pharaoh retold his dreams, with all details and circumstances, and precisely as he had seen them in his sleep, except that he left out the word nile in the description of the seven lean kine, because this river was worshipped by the egyptians and he hesitated to say aught that is evil had come from his god now joseph proceeded to give the king the true interpretation of the two dreams they were both a revelation concerning the seven good years impending and the seven years of famine to follow them in reality it had been the purpose of god to bring a famine of forty-two years duration upon egypt but only two years of this distressful period were inflicted upon the land, for the sake of the blessing of Jacob when he came to Egypt in the second year of famine. The other forty years fell upon the land at the time of the prophet Ezekiel. Joseph did more than merely interpret the dreams. When the king gave voice to doubts concerning the interpretation, he told him signs and tokens. He said, Let this be a sign to thee that my words are true, and my advice is excellent thy wife, who is sitting upon the birth-stool at this moment, will bring forth a son, and thou wilt rejoice over him, but in the midst of thy joy the sad tidings will be told thee of the death of thine older son, who was born unto thee but two years ago, and thou must needs find consolation for the loss of the one in the birth of the other. Scarcely had Joseph withdrawn from the presence of the king, when the report of the birth of a son was brought to Pharaoh, and soon after also the report of the death of his firstborn, who had suddenly dropped to the floor and passed away. Thereupon he sent for all the grandees of his realm, and all the servants, and he spake to them, saying, Ye have heard the words of the Hebrew, and ye have seen that the signs which he foretold were accomplished, and I also know that he hath interpreted the dream truly. Advise me now how the land may be saved from the ravages of the famine. Look hither and thither, whether you can find a man of wisdom and understanding, whom I may set over the land, for I am convinced that the land can be saved only if we heed the counsel of the Hebrew. The grandees and the princes admitted that safety could be secured only by adhering to the advice given by Joseph, and they proposed that the king, in his sagacity, choose a man whom he considered equal to the great task. Thereupon, Pharaoh said, if we traversed and searched the earth from end to end, we could find none such as Joseph, a man in whom is the Spirit of God. If ye think well thereof, I will set him over the land which he hath saved by his wisdom. The astrologers, who were his counsellors, demurred, saying, A slave, one whom his present owner hath acquired for twenty pieces of silver, thou proposest to set over us as master? But Pharaoh maintained that Joseph was not only a free-born man beyond the peradventure of a doubt, but also the scion of a noble family. However, the princes of Pharaoh were not silenced, they continued to give utterance to their opposition to Joseph, saying, Dost thou not remember the immutable law of the Egyptians, that none may serve as king or as viceroy, unless he speaks all the languages of men? And this Hebrew knows none but his own tongue, and how were it possible that a man should rule over us who cannot even speak the language of our land? Send and have him fetched hither, and examine him in respect to all the things a ruler should know and have, and then decide, as seemeth wise in thy sight. Pharaoh yielded, He promised to do as they wished, and he appointed the following day as the time for examining Joseph, who had returned to his prison in the meantime, for, on account of his wife, his master feared to have him stay in his house. During the night Gabriel appeared unto Joseph, and taught him all the seventy languages, and he acquired them quickly after the angel had changed his name from Joseph to Jehoshaphat. The next morning, when he came into the presence of Pharaoh and the nobles of the kingdom, inasmuch as he knew every one of the seventy languages, he mounted all the steps of the royal throne, until he reached the seventieth, the highest, upon which sat the king. And Pharaoh and his princes rejoiced that Joseph fulfilled all the requirements needed by one that was to rule over Egypt. The king said to Joseph, Thou didst give me the counsel to look out a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt, that he may in his wisdom save the land from the famine. As God hath showed thee all this, and as thou art master of all the languages of the world, there is none so discreet and wise as thou. Thou shalt therefore be the second in the land after Pharaoh, and according to thy word shall all my people go in and go out. My princes and my servants shall receive their monthly appanage from thee. Before thee the people shall prostrate themselves. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. End of chapter 1, part 9